Open your Bibles again to Isaiah 1. Keep your Bibles open right there as we'll stay right here in this passage and this chapter. I preached a part of this message during the COVID weeks and months a few years ago and a service that I think the service was just online and I mentioned a part of it, but I want to preach tonight on the subject why we need a spiritual awakening, why we need a spiritual awakening. And I want you to listen as I go through the chapter of Isaiah chapter 1. One. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching, I pray. I hunger to deliver the message in such a way that would even alert and would alarm us to our need of our personal walk with you. And Lord, as we look around us, we don't see a lot of hope among men and the institutions of men. And our hope is, Lord, in you. And Lord, if you gave Isaiah this message to preach in his day, certainly we need it in our day and in our nation. And so fill me with your spirit, I ask, please. And Lord, help the message as it's heard not only here, but as it's heard online tonight and throughout the week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The prophet Isaiah lived in a time of tension In many respects, it was a time of crisis in the history of the world, not just Israel, but the history of the world. World World-shaking events were transpiring. Uh, Catastrophic judgments were taking place. And I want you to hear this. A new nation had arisen in the north, and it was moving toward world domination. Assyria, the most brutal nation to ever uh, put an army on the battlefield, was marching toward world conquest. With that in mind, I think of the nation of China who has in its sights a conquest of the world. Uh, China is purchasing land everywhere, including uh, our state, foreign countries buying our land. And there is a desire, as the desire of Assyria, uh, to have a world domination. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been taken into Assyrian captivity. There were 12 states or 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. They divided. The 10 of the northern kingdom had already been taken over by the Assyrians. And there were two nations left. And that made up that little country, that small place of Judah. Judah, though, was in a precarious position. The Assyrian army had 185,000 soldiers strong, and they were marching toward the very property lines, the very boundaries of Judah. It was in this dire, it was in this desperate and difficult day that Hezekiah the king went into the temple And he turned to God in prayer. Hezekiah the king turned to God in prayer. God then sent his prophet Isaiah to encourage him. And he told him, he said, Assyria will never take Judah. The army of Assyria will never set foot in the streets of Jerusalem. They would never cross the threshold of any gate of the city of the great king. 
However, God was preparing another nation, and that would be the nation of Babylon. Uh, That was the head of gold down by the banks of the Euphrates River. And this nation would later take Judah into captivity unless it turned to God. So God is giving Judah another and another and another opportunity to turn to him. In order to establish the justice of his cause, he called Israel into court. And Isaiah chapter 1 is a court proceeding that he brings them into and he announces their sin and his justice. He gave them an opportunity to announce the charge to hear his verdict and to throw herself uh, on the mercy of his court. God then preserves this in his word. He invites us into the court to see that he is a just God. Now, my dear friend, even without me saying uh, that America is so far from where it once was, uh, we know tonight our nation is in a difficult strait. I mentioned this morning that yesterday I met with uh, a border patrol agent, and not just a border patrol agent, but the president of the Border Patrol Agent Association. Uh, There are 19,000 patrol uh, in the Border Patrol Association. He was the head of their union uh, that they serve in. While I have seen the news and I have seen what's going on at the border, I had not heard such a description and a distinct explanation of what's happening in our country. He was with, I'm going to turn my, I'm too loud, but I I, I know I'm good to you, but I'm going to turn me down to me. I'm I'm bothering me yelling too loud, but if, if, if it's good with you, all right, that sounds better. It's good to have hearing aids. Sometimes I can just turn people off and smile. You know what I mean? But anyway, he was with Senator Ted Cruz who had been at the border on either Saturday night or Sunday night. And you may have seen some clips of that. Fear gripped my heart as I heard them describe what's going on. And in my mind, I thought of folks from Mexico wanting to come to America to work. That's what I had in mind. And I did not realize how organized the drug cartel, not just of Mexico, but of South America, is organized and they offer freedom to people that will pay them a particular amount of money. I don't have a long time to deal with this as I want to get into the outline of what happened uh, in the land of Judah. And it's so similar to what's taken place in our country. And if God offered them freedom, if they would turn to Him in that day, then it needs to be offered today because God preserved it in His Word for today. But they will put on that person, a man or a woman, a, uh, a band, an armband, and a color, whatever color it is, it represents how much money they owe the cartel. Now, there's several things that they do when they come into America. They're either selling fentanyl, uh, which is cheap 
It is inexpensive compared uh, to other drugs in the past, and yet it is not just powerful. Fentanyl is deadly. Uh, the number of overdose deaths in Kentucky, not just in the nation, is on the highest rise that it's ever been. And it is connected to the fentanyl that's coming from South America. And they have to pay, they have to sell that drugs, those drugs, uh, to pay the drug cartel. And you may say, well, I would just get to America and run away. They have such a system in America, they, they can't get away. They know where they are. And uh, it, it is sad to see the organized crime that is set up in our nation. The women are sold as sex slaves. And I, I won't go into all that we talked about yesterday uh, in that meeting, but uh, it, uh, they said on the average it takes a woman about seven years to pay off her debts as a slave somewhere in North America, mainly the United States. That's going on in our country today. And when I heard them and I talked to them, I, I, I couldn't help but to think of what uh, Isaiah describes of the land of Judah here. And uh, of, of we, we call it Israel, and that's, and that's okay. And he is describing to them the very thing that's taking place in our country. Now, if the answer then was to turn to God, the answer now is to turn to God. You understand, we're past the help of men. We must have the divine intervention of the God of heaven in our nation. I'm going to give you nine words to outline a large portion of Isaiah chapter 1. Uh, you may want to write down, you may want to write down these words. Uh, this, uh, the, he also gives a description and we read it in our text. He describes the nation in comparison to a very sick person. Someone that is sick not only on the inside, but is visibly sick on the outside. He says in verse number 6, From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. When I read that, I think of an experience I had about 34 years ago. I was a pastor in Hazard at Bible Baptist Church, and one of our deacons, had an uncle that had been murdered. And uh, he called me and he told me what had happened. He said, I have to go to the, uh, to the morgue and I have to identify the body of my uncle uh, to identify that it is him. And he said, will you go with me? And I'll, I'll never forget going into the morgue. And now the morgue has a distinct smell. And as a pastor, I've been there uh, several times. And to see uh, the morgue and how all of that is set up. And I remember as they unzipped the bag of uh, where uh, the body of his uncle was, he had not only been physically beaten, uh, they had taken a metal poker uh, that you would use to stoke a fire. And they had beaten him and they had burned him. Uh, they had beaten him with their fist. Uh, they'd, shot, they'd shot him several times. His body was covered with cuts and bruises and, and just open wounds. I remember how sick I felt immediately as he identified his uncle's body. Now I say that, and that's a terrible, terrible scene, but that's what Isaiah is saying here. 
That's what he wants you to see. And the Bible is more than a storybook of pictures of good characters and bad characters and the characters that are good always win. This is very much the book that you and I need to read and understand. That's the illustration that he gave. He said, our nation is like a beaten, bruised, and battered body that is sick on the inside and sick on the outside and nobody cares about that. He said, that's the condition of our nation. Now, I don't know exactly what it was that Isaiah had seen or experienced in his life. It could have been that of a leper uh, with the open uh, running sores that he compared the nation to. But the sins of Israel were likened to the body of a sick and a sore covered person. And I want to say tonight, sin is like a sickness and that it gets worse and worse until death that takes its toll. And the only way to heal the sickness is start the healing where the sickness began. And I want to say tonight, if you think flirting with and playing around with sin, it's a good thing and a fun thing because it hadn't yet bitten you. It hasn't yet set and got a hold of you. I want to warn you tonight, don't play with sin because sin, when it is finished, always brings forth death. Young people don't ever become an alcoholic and make the decision, I'll never take the first drink and you don't ever have to worry about that sin wrecking and ruining your body. If you don't want to become a drug addict, you need to decide, I'll never put one of these drugs in my body. I make a commitment, I make a vow to God that I'll never begin and you don't have to worry about, hey, preachers have to lift their voices and say, young people listen and older people alike, we can't play with sin because sin is not playing games. Sin wants to destroy our lives. I want you to write down the word ingratitude. This all began with a lack of thankfulness to God. Verse number two, the Bible says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. No thankfulness. Rather than being grateful, rather than being thankful, they have a rebellious spirit. I want to say tonight, and I don't have time uh, to preach and to develop this one thing because there are nine words I want to give you and be finished on time tonight. When you lose your thankfulness, you're headed to destruction. When you lose your gratitude in whatever person and way you are, there's never a place for pride in the life of a Christian for no matter how you have been blessed. It all came from the almighty hand of God who is the giver of good things and there's never a time we should start a day or live a day in pride of what we've accomplished but we ought to live our days in thankfulness to the God of heaven. I read these often and I want to read a part tonight of the statement of gratitude of President George Washington as our nation began its independence and when we came to the Thanksgiving Day. He said, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore the protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States 
a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. You say, that sounds like a preacher. Let me tell you why George Washington wrote like a preacher. Because he listened to preachers and he collected the handwritten sermons of preachers. Many, many of those are in a book entitled Sacred Fire and George Washington heard the men of God preach. He heard the uh, Word of God preached. He read the Word of God and he recognized our nation exists only because of a good and a gracious, a sovereign and an almighty God. I want to say tonight we ought to thank the God of heaven that we still exist. Though it seems that we're hanging by a thread, we thank God tonight that we still exist as a nation. Now, ingratitude leads to ignorance. When they walked away from that constant connection to God, you understand God in this Bible, this is the standard. This is the anchor. This is the definition of what's right and what's wrong, of what blesses and what curses. And when you walk away from the standard, if you don't know what the rules are, you behave as stupidly in the game of life. Ignorance is the result of ingratitude. I want you to look at verse number three. Ignorance. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Now it's sad that we live in a day that the ox and the ass has more sense than some of the professors and some of the teachers in school. You see, when you ignore God, you ignore truth. The activity of wokeness and the teaching of the critical race theory is nothing less than a rebellion against the God of heaven and a rebellion against his word and a confession of the ignorance of the word of God. Ignorant of gender, ignorant of marriage, ignorant of work, and that integrity cannot be given with a certificate. Integrity comes with calluses. Integrity comes with a tired back and a weary body because of a hard day's work, an honest day's work that you've accomplished a task, that you've reached a goal, that you've met a need. But dear friend, we don't understand. We've become so ignorant. When you walk away from being grateful to God, the result is ignorance. I was once again shamed and embarrassed to listen to just a portion, actually read just a portion of President Biden's address to a college this week saying the greatest threat to America today is 
white supremacy. Ignorance. Total ignorance. That leads us to verse number four, and you can write down the word iniquity. Because when you are not thankful for the goodness of God, I have a hard time getting past that. I just want to preach on the fact, my goodness, let's praise God. Thank God for the house you live in. Thank God for the socks and shoes you wear. Thank God for the food in the pantry. Thank God for your family. Thank God for your mama today. Thank God for the goodness of God. And even if we were a part of that first crowd that came across in the 1600s and they were thankful to God, even after half of them had died in that terrible winter, they were still thankful to the God Almighty. Ingratitude, ignorance, and then number four, iniquity. Verse number four, iniquity. Number three, our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Laden means broken down with sin. Laden, burdened, broken down with sin, a seed of evildoers. Children that are, they're not just sinful, they're corruptors. That's where we are in our school system today. That's where we are on the internet today. There are folks that are working to corrupt the minds of others. Where does all this come from? It comes from a divorcing of God, a divorcing of recognizing that God is the giver of our rights, that faith in God and He is our creator, and that understanding that we ought to be thankful and stay connected to God. You go to ignorance and then you go to iniquity. Liquor flows like a river in our nation today. From the universities to the sporting events, my goodness, you can't go to a yard sale without it being there. Gambling is a financial answer offered by governments. We just in recent years came to our senses about tobacco. Tobacco and then turn around and legalize marijuana. I do not know when I stayed in the last motel that I did not smell marijuana from the time I went in the front door until I left my room. It's tragic. The grooming of children and small children. You've heard me say it, I'm going to say it again. They're using books in the classrooms in our public schools that I could not hold up here legally for a camera to show because I would be guilty of child pornography. I mean, that is a crime. It is a felony. And yet it's being brought into our kindergarten classes, a nation laden with iniquity. Immorality is a way of life. Shacking up, ignoring the sanctity of marriage, cursing is a common vocabulary, using God's name in vain carries no fear or concern. Iniquity is the result of ignorance. Ignorance is the result of ingratitude. Verses 5 and 6, then we have illness. Look at verse number 5. Why should you be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. Now notice this, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Notice, head and heart. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with the ointment. 
The National Alliance of Mental Health reports now that one in five adults in America experience a mental illness in their lifetime. The most common are anxiety disorders, major depression, and bipolar disorder, those three. Now, as I always say, as somewhat of a disclaimer, I understand the reality of mental illness. I understand that. And I'm not making light, nor am I blaming all mental illness on sin. But there is a mental illness and a heart faintedness that comes from believing the promise of sin to find out that it was an empty lie. There are many folks that have a mental illness and a heart filled with anxiety because of a broken marriage, because of a broken home. I told you this morning that I dealt with a pastor who was so grieved and broken hearted. He had visited uh, uh, with a little girl and her mother and he was trying to help her to overcome depression. Her depression was brought on by all of the things that she had been exposed to in her mind that she was not uh, ready at that age to be exposed to nor is anyone of some of those things but her mother's response was I don't care if she commits suicide that's a broken home dear friend that comes from ingratitude ignorance when we come from ignorance we go to iniquity and as a result the number one illness in our nation today is a mental illness if you want to see it on display, watch some of the speeches by some of the senators and representatives on the House and Senate floor in the state of Kentucky. Listen to some of them in Frankfurt talk about gender euphoria. And the sexualization of children is beyond common sense imagination, illness, iniquity, Ignorance and ingratitude. Let me go to the next one. This is what he said happens to a nation that forgets God. This is what happens to a nation that forgets God. And when I see these things happening in our nation, I have to say it all came because of the fact we've forgotten God. There was a day we began our day in every school where we pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and we said the words, one nation under God. Many of our teachers and even in my days in public school, uh, the teacher had a Bible on their desk and they had a paddle on their desk as well. I experienced both of them. And they would sing some of the same songs in school that they sang in Sunday school. Next is an invasion. Notice in verse number 7, if you will. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. Our nation is drowning in debt. The drug cartels always have with them, when they're close to the border, they always have toddlers and children with them. They'll throw those children into the Rio Grande 
knowing that the border agents have to rescue those children and they get away as they work to rescue those children. We are being invaded today by cartels in countries coming to America. They're bringing busloads every day and plane loads every day to states and towns all across America. States like Minnesota is a sanctuary state being filled with illegal aliens. Now, as I said, I thought I had in my mind wanting to think the best. These are folks that are poor and they're just looking for a place to work. They're just looking for a place that they can get something to eat. But that's not what's going on. The cartels are sending uh, the drugs and the, and the human trafficking and the disease and all that goes with it. And our response can't be, I hate foreigners. Listen to me now. Our response can't be, I hate foreigners. Our response has to be, oh God of heaven, how we need to recognize you. Oh Lord, you see, our heart is supposed to be for the winning of the lost and we're working to win everyone we can. But you understand it's not right to break in a country any more than it's right for someone to break in your house and take what you've worked to earn and to have. That's not right. And our nation's being invaded. Why? Because we've left left God. There's an insincerity of religion, verses 10 through 18. He talks about those that give to God and yet their heart is not given to God. Verses 10 through 18, an insincerity. Verse 21 is an injustice. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. One of the saddest situations in our nation today is to, see, is to see the breakdown and the situation in our courtrooms seeking justice. I mean, families are being torn apart. I'm not talking about folks I read of in another state or another place. I'm talking about folks in our own church that have experienced going through the court system and, and the hurt and the brokenness and the ideology of the wokeness that's come into many of the minds of the social workers and the judges and thinking that a nine-year-old girl or a nine-year-old boy can do what they want to do. They need a mom and dad that love them and have some training and discipline and authority in their lives, but they're so overrun, they're all so broken. Why? It all goes back to our divorcing God beginning with that gratitude that we're supposed to have. Verse 22, you can write down the word inflation. Inflation, they say, is better this month because it wasn't as high as it was last month. I'd like to know one thing that just went up 8%. 8%. Most everything we're buying is up 100%. I used to be able to get a Happy Meal for $5. Look at it, verse 22. Thy silver has become dross. Thy wine mixed with water or weakened down inflation. Number nine, verse number 23. Impropriety or corruption of government. Thy princes are rebellious and companion of China They're companions of thieves. Everyone loveth not justice, 
not righteousness, everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. We can't get away from the news with reports on corruption in government. You say, well, preacher, who are we? How can we stop all of this? Well, why did Isaiah preach this? Why did God give this message to Isaiah? It wasn't the majority that was listening. It was the minority. And how we need those that would be willing is Hezekiah to call on God publicly. We need those that will call on God publicly today and understand the answer is not another expensive government program. The answer is still the God of heaven. Three things and I'm finished. Number one, walk with God every day. And begin your day with thankfulness. Go into his courts with singing. Go into his courts with praising. Go into his courts with thanksgiving. As you go to God in prayer in the morning, begin by praising him uh, for who he is and thanking him for what he does. We must get back to the simple truths of the word of God. Second of all, we need to call on God for help. Hezekiah prayed a prayer that was impossible to answer. 185,000 foot soldiers had already taken every nation north. They had taken what was once the strong land of Israel, the northern kingdom, and they were marching toward uh, uh, Judah and uh, uh, Shennacherib. He sent a message and he said, you can't stop us. Nobody's been able to stop us. Oh, but listen to me. The prophet of God and the king fell on their face before God and God said, all right, He said to the nation, you have to stop right there at that line. (coughs) You have to read it to believe it. God can do it again. Last of all, righteousness exalts a nation. (coughs) Sin is a reproach to any people. Stand with me, if you will. That means I'm supposed to live right this week. I must be more concerned about my righteousness than I am any righteousness. Can't live my life mad at everyone else in judgment. I have to decide I have to live right. You and I live right. I don't want our nation to fall. I wish Jesus would return tonight, but if he doesn't, our children are coming up in this nation. It's serious matter. It's a serious time to get a hold of God in prayer. Heavenly Father,